0: to episode three of Bootstrapped. I'm um, Ian Landsman of Userscape and I'm with Andre Butov of Antaire. I can never say his name quite as wonderfully as he says it in the, in, in the intro here, but I'm giving I, it a I shot. I am the expert. If, if the expert.
1: I know, it's my name. Yeah.
0: <laughs> you have such a <laughs> suave way of saying it. It always catches me at the beginning of all your podcasts, how, uh, how perfectly it's stated. So it's... Uh, Hopefully, I've, I did it. I've, just, I've, I did it I've, justice. I've had thirty some odd years of practice. <laughs> now yeah, that's a good question. Now, I've been wondering this. How old are you, if you don't mind sharing? I'll be thirty four next month. Thirty four next month. Okay, I knew I was a little bit older. I'm thirty six. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, but we started at the same time. So,
1: yeah, actually, I was uh, just thinking about it um, early this morning that I kept saying two thousand seven, two thousand seven when we when we my company peaked and then went downhill. Um, but I don't think that's wrong. I think it was two thousand
0: nine. What's yeah, <laughs> a couple of years?
1: I'm one of those people who, uh, if the guys from Law and Order came over and asked me, "Do you know what happened last?" T-? I'm like, "No, I don't fucking know what happened last Tuesday. I don't know what happened this morning." Um, I, I, you dates. know, it's it's it happened. It's happening, or it will happen. Are the only three states of uh, of of time that I'm uh, capable of, of figuring out? And that's yeah.
0: it. Uh, I, I'm horrible with dates. I'm horrible with names. Like, I don't remember anybody's name. Uh, I don't remember the dates of things that happened. It's really pretty bad. Like, I need to do, you know, you've been reading through my uh, archive there, blog post. I need to do that myself just to, like, remember what the heck happened and what I was doing (laughs) those years back because it's all just just a blur.
1: Uh, We could go through one of them. Um, I found one that was good that we could go through again. It's your, um, what was the topic on it? (sighs) Poor it's rules. your rules yeah on um that's rules for thinking. the practical entrepreneur that's right so i figured we could, we we could we could go through them and, and see which ones that you were shitting about and which ones are still <laughs> holding true
0: yeah you know um, this is like one of my favorites this was i was glad you you tweeted this the other day and uh it's definitely one of my favorite posts i think like and when like, when was the date on this it was let me see, let me see december 2005.
1: Um, now most of these, most of these are very depressing. I mean, I handpicked some of the ones <laughs> that I liked, and I, I, I tweeted them out. But a lot of them are like, oh, this guy's starting a great company. You click on it, and the link's been dead for four years. Um, yeah. But um, this was 2005, December 2005. So almost, almost 2006. Yeah. So um,
0: I think HelpSpot had been for sale for like two months at that point, if I recall correctly, because I think we started selling it in October.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's an there's a couple of articles that, like, I still remember from reading them the first time around. One was the first time it was he posted that we made our first ten grand off of a Help spot. Right. <laughs> and at that point, we were selling. Uh, Ontario was selling um, a toolbar add-on, uh, printer friendly, for twenty bucks, and it made six hundred dollars. Right. <laughs> it made it made the six hundred dollars over its entire lifetime of being on sale. And I was outside uh, talking to my friend. About how how not fair it is <laughs> that you made ten grand and and I made six hundred dollars, uh, so that one stands out in my mind. And um, so and 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 this one I also read over a thousand times because, um, the, the four rules for a practical entrepreneur. Uh, one one of the rules is is um, how to pick your product, right? Right. And I'm always obsessed with how to pick your product. I'm mean, five years into the business. <laughs> I'm obsessed with how to pick your product because you know we, I have so many products I can't even list them all. I I literally cannot list them all if I if I don't go through my little uh, wiki of uh, timeline releases and everything. I don't know which products right. off the top of my head that we made. We have a, a lot, and we retired even more. So
0: we we um, should just do a whole episode of that. Like we'll just. read your products like we'll just read the names and that'll be like 45 minutes of like
1: yeah the first one was called uh, chinchilla that's all i know
0: (laughs) you know what's hysterical is that like i think so far in this podcast you've given more love to printer friendly than any of your current products like (laughs) so maybe you should relaunch that thing because it's getting it's getting a lot of play there might be people out there you know looking for print better printing Uh, their
1: browser whatever now you just you just two two months after I mean two two years after it was released and 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 after I killed it, uh, what was that thing that came out? Something monkey grease monkey. You oh, could yeah, put yeah. grease monkey up against the web page and do essentially the same thing. And now you could do everything with CSS and just do a printer friendly version. Um, uh, yeah, that's true. That's right. I
0: forgot about that. All those that wasn't even around back then. Yeah, but- printer printer
1: friendly <laughs> fucking parsed HTML and and. Took out links like live, it's and ads live. There was like, it was like the hardest possible way of implementing what what it did. I implemented it that way. <laughs> it was so stupid.
0: Well, you know, a lot of people still print. It's crazy. Like we get tons of like, you know, issues and stuff with like our printer-friendly versions and of pages and HelpSpot and stuff. Like people still print stuff. It's it's pretty wild. Yeah.
1: Uh-huh. Whatever. Nah, <laughs> anyway, four rules for practical entrepreneur. Uh, right. Blah 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 blah. Intro. So number one you have is the fragmented market, and I guess the basics of this is that. uh Why don't you explain it? You can't have a you can't have yeah. a leader, a big leader, right? You can't have Microsoft being the space as the only provider.
0: Right, right. So like, uh, with just looking through all of them, it, what's interesting is I think they've all like totally held up and they 've all worked exactly as I hoped they were were gonna work um mm-hmm. for me at least, so that uh was was pretty cool um just after I reread this when you uh, linked it but yeah, so the first one to me was you know picking like a fragmented market, so you know as a bootstrap company, obviously you don't have much or any money um so you're not going to be able to like advertise your way you know into people's minds and and things of that nature so uh, and you want something that people are, are looking for as well, um, you know, looking for solutions on. So yeah, if there's like the big, huge elephant, like Microsoft, like obviously you can't, you know, out advertise them. And if anybody, you know, is looking for a word processor, you know, they're just going to use Word, and they're not going to think about you know any other options that might be out there. So I always thought that was that's why it was my number one was trying to find a way to pick something where okay people are searching for solutions but also that it's something that is actively for sale because you don't also I don't think want to invent something new like like uh like maybe that was printer friendly's problem right like you know' we're, there it wasn't a known market for plugins that made things print nicer so people even if they had that problem which people did like they weren't necessarily looking for a solution because they just figured there weren't any so you know, you kind of want to be in a market that exists and that people have a known problem and are looking for a solution, um, but then you'd also don't want to go up against the de facto standard, you know, where you have no way of breaking into that. Generally speaking, um, and-
1: yeah. Well, well, printer friendly was printer friendly was a. a- a solution for a problem that didn't really exist
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's a that's a separate issue you know you know we should also we should also touch on two i mean we might have touched on an earlier podcast but in my intro stuff that um we just glossed over is the kind of concept that i you know i go by which is like my whole concept for starting a business was to make a business that was you know profitable very early and that could support you know myself and um never with the goal of you know making something that was worth hundreds of millions of dollars or that was going to be acquired you know in a year or something like that mm-hmm. and i think that if you have those kind of goals that's a very different thing you want to do you know in that goal right like maybe you do want to go against word and you want to say okay like i'm going to try to invent something that's so crazy new and comes out at such a different direction that it's going to disrupt this multi-billion dollar business and, you know, everybody's going to be after me for it. So, I mean, that's, you know, that's like a whole different scenario to me, which is where the kind of practical entrepreneur title kind of comes from is that, you know, I kind of view it. I was always very practical about it. Like, what can I do to assure maximum probability of success? And, you know, what are the steps it's going to take to do that, you know, to be able to make, you know, whatever, $100,000 a year um to be able to, you know, make a decent living, that kind of thing. So you know that's that's was my take on it and where these the kind of context for the rules.
1: I I agree with it, um, but that's not to say that it would apply to everybody. I mean, um, yeah, no. there's there's products out there that I forgot what the name of it is, but there's a, a Mac Photoshop competitor, right? And you, Pixelmator. Would, or? Yeah, I think so. Pixelmator, right? So yeah. Pixelmator came out as two guys and. It's gorgeous and whatever, but it's clearly right. going up against anti-rule number one on this list, right? It's going of up course. against Photoshop, clearly the number right. one leader in, in, in the field. And yet, when these guys put up Pixelmator on the App Store, the Mac Ops App Store, I heard they, they pulled in cash like crazy. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, it won't work for everybody. But maybe that's a different story because, because Photoshop and Adobe in general are, are kind of like a set of tools that are almost infamous for being hated right (laughs) um and i don't think microsoft word is in that position right so you don't want to go against word because the people who don't care about software would 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 happily use it without caring that much about it um but the people who hate adobe and photoshop would care about the fact that they hate adobe and photoshop enough to go and buy your uh, much less costly competition product
0: and and I also think there's like, I mean, first of all, the word example might be, you know, I think in 2005, it was probably a better example than even today, of course, you know, where there's so many different kinds of, you know, word processing and publishing and things. But, um, you know, the other thing with even Pixelmator and, you know, uh, Photoshop is there, you kind of still have, I still kind of see the same concept of the fragmented market because you have Photoshop, which is the huge, giant monster, hmm. but then... Beneath it, like, but Photoshop's like a thousand dollars, right, or whatever it is, nine hundred dollars. And so, below that, in, at least on the Mac, I don't know what goes on on Windows, but there's like Acorn and Pixelmator, and you know, there's actually like this whole bunch of little like twenty-nine to seventy-nine dollar light photo editor things. Mm-hmm. So they're really going up. Uh, you know, are they replacing Photoshop or are they like augmenting it? Like, I use both. Like, I actually use three different apps. Like, I have Photoshop, and I have Pixelmator and I have Acorn. And I use them for different things, like, depending on kind of like the stress level I want to endure. <laughs> and uh, so, like, that's where, too, sometimes you can find these little, like, niches within the niche or these little edge cases or things like that where, um, where yeah, the rules don't apply or not in the same way. I mean, I'm, not, I'm definitely not stating that these rules are. <laughs> you know cannot be challenged and are perfect always but um yeah you no know, i think that it's kind of interesting to see those things and uh where you know where price comes and we could do a whole episode on price but you know how price plays a role and all that kind of stuff as well
1: another thing that i wanted to mention was that i'm not sure how much i would look to these rules now you know eight whatever nine years later um, earlier fair. on it was it was it was Important. It was. It was interesting to me uh, to have these sort of guidelines, but now even if uh, even if I'm looking for a new product to make, I've accumulated a list so long of like the most perfect things to build that I think these more apply to people who are sort of in the position that. I'm not saying it's an oh, yeah. incorrect or a naive position to be where you're looking for products desperately to try to start something. I'm saying that it's more a matter of um, something you would really only have to go through in the beginning. Yeah, because I mean, I, I, once later, you have yeah. that
0: experience, like yeah, you have. I'm yeah. sure, like you said, list.
1: <laughs> I think later on, even if you fail at your first product and second product and third product, and and you decide to pivot you know a complete 180 into another domain entirely even within that different domain you would have enough experience to figure out what structure this product should be what type of product this should be uh for for you know to be sellable or or you know to to be viable for your for your uh, efforts um so you wouldn't go out and search for um I'm going to make a YouTube killer you know like Four right. years into your business, because you've uh, the, you build a certain set of of of, of knowledge for yourself that you're going to stay within certain parameters for your next product. But you're not you're going to go out and start from square one trying to ascertain you know what kind of guidelines the, the next product should be. And you're already those are already set in your mind. You already know what would be you know, along the right line, path and along the right thing to build. You know.
0: Yeah, and you've already got that. You know, you got that experience at that point in a certain you know segment or a certain market, and you know that's probably where you've you've already spent four years focusing on that, and so you already have all this intimate knowledge, and then you can use that whether it's to build something in the exact same space or you know maybe an offshoot space or something like that. But with that kind of you kind of bring up one thing that do you believe in the pivot? I don't really believe in the pivot. I don't know. I don't I don't know if I buy the pivot. I mean, I know every once in a while somebody pivots and like they become this huge thing or whatever. But in general, I think like people move to that too quickly and then like, you know, they had this idea, they thought it was a good idea, and they started on this idea, and then, you know, four months into it, they're like, Oh, nobody's using it. Let's let's rebuild it as this whole other crazy thing and or or scrap it completely and start something new. Like, I don't know. I feel like the pivot does a disservice sometimes um, I guess if you have a bunch of venture money that you have to blow through that and you only have a certain amount of time to do it that maybe it makes more sense but I don't know what do you the, think about the, pivot like
1: a, a the Pivot is like a Seinfeld episode title right yeah I mean The Pivot is like a hot new trend right that's the right. thing that, that startups do before that the example was Flickr right because Flickr was a video game before it was a Flickr photo right. sharing thing or whatever yeah um, yeah I mean I, I'm, a, I'm the wrong person to uh, I'm not even going to play devil's advocate against your, your anti-pivot argument I'm just in the position that historically speaking we've been all over the place in terms True. of products and I'm not going to say I've pivoted (laughs) explicitly yeah
0: i don't don't, don't think yours is a pivot though it's a little bit different yeah you have different whole separate products you've created they weren't like a product that you turned into something else exactly i mean you did some of that too but i
1: i'm not i'm not i'm in a weird position i'm not the most thoughtful person when it comes to like the strategy for my business i'm if if anything is more tactical uh, but tactics won't help you in terms of like product building because products take a while to build so i'm um, i'm um i think i'm a bad example because what what happens with on um i i churn out a a fuck ton of code i mean you have no idea and i do <laughs> <laughs> i i make products without really considering whether they're going to be viable or how I'm going to sell them or god forbid I put up a web page without a products and see if it's you know brings in any customers right. it's another new, tr- new trend right sell it right. before you build it sure. um, so um one thing i have going for me is that i finish everything i start mm. so um i might have domains that i didn't make products for but i never start code that i don't finish right mm. so so I my strategy is is is, is just I, I code what's interesting to me and and I put it out and and you know you have one product that's supporting you right right but I have oh gee it's in the dozens <laughs> <laughs> and each one is making very little but because I have so many yeah I, they all support me but I can't advise that to anybody, right? Because each one will make you, you know, six hundred bucks a month, and that's not enough to live on. Right. I have a lot of them, and that's enough for me to live on. But it's not something I would advise a new, you know, person starting a software company to do. Because I mean, it took me a while to get there. But yeah, um, like I know people, for example, who start, and um, they ask me for advice, and and they're looking for something to build. And I'm the wrong person to ask because I always say, just build it. And they're going to say, well, what do you mean just build it? It's going to take me you know, four or five months to build it. And then I tried that before and it doesn't sell. Um, and and that's a negative to them, right? I tried it and it doesn't sell. So I don't want right. to try it again without knowing that it will sell. But for me, that's how I'm used to approaching it. I, I build it and it doesn't sell. And that's fine. Um, by the time it's up on the website, I'm already starting on something else. <laughs> um, I don't look at the app stores. I don't I don't look at the, like in the mobile space, my wife uh, looks at the reviews because I can't read reviews. I can't stand them. Mm-hmm. And my wife looks at the markets and she she will look at this market uh, and she'll look at this market and she'll tell me that this market is missing something. And she'll tell me what to write next. And I'm going to write it. And I'm not even going to. Beyond my computer, uh, um, I don't touch the product, right? I will write the ad copy for it if she asks me to. But she'll do the screenshots and, sh- and you know, she'll put it up. I won't even check the sales on it. All we I know can... is that my little report is showing me how much we make it, it, every month. And I see the little bumps up from the p- products that I release that are new. And and once in a while, I check the older products and I see, oh, this guy's making $23 a month for the past you know eight months. I'm just going to cut it. Right and and that's like that's my approach. But there's never, um, like right now I'm doing a client project that I'm finishing up. I'm doing UberDeck, which is a, a big project, and I'm doing a, a mobile app. The mobile app is because my wife told me there's an opportunity in the market, so I'm doing the mobile app. Um, but I didn't go out and do research as to what uh, any of this stuff will work. UberDeck will be useful to me even if it doesn't sell for anybody else because. I could use it for my mobile apps. Um, The mobile app will work because um, my wife does the market analysis. I have no idea how she does it. Don't even bother emailing me, asking me how does she figure out which products to make for which mobile markets. I don't ask her. I don't care. All I know is that she tells me, she told me to make Nightstand two years ago. Nightstand has been very good to us. She told me to make Notes. Notes has been very good to us. She told me to make a whole bunch of themes uh, lately, and those have been selling for us. So... Um, she tells me to make it I make it so uh, it's kind of good from the programmer's perspective because that's what you want to be you want to sit in your little cubby hole right. and not worry about anything but it's not the the right type of person to ask for advice on how to do a proper bootstrapped startup you know product research type of a thing because right. that was never my approach I would love to be that type of person That was that was kind
0: of your approach in the beginning. See, I think the spam filter was more like a thought out product. I mean, even though it was still kind of like you just whipped it together and like it kind of then worked, but it still had a little more. I mean, I feel like mobiles kind of changed. It's so weird now. Like it's hard to. It's so like you just put it up there and you see what happens. Like you know, it's not like it's not. I mean, I guess there's places to advertise, but you know, it's hard to effectively drive, you know, traffic to the to the stores like that, and it's very. Kind of weird scenario versus like a SaaS app or a download app or or something like that. It's there's a lot of different dynamics there. To you know, obviously Apple could highlight one of your apps and it's going to be huge. You know, and that's just going to kind of be out of the blue. Um, so yeah, that's that's a little bit different. But see, I kind of be. I guess I kind of answered my own question though while you were talking because you're kind of you're not pivoting a product, which is usually what they mean in terms of pivoting, but. You are you are pivoting Antair a little bit in, in that if UberDeck is successful, that will obviously be a change in direction, I'd say, and probably something that you would then focus on a lot more.
1: Yeah, but it, it's not – Pivot to me is a strategy. Maybe it's a strategy for VC-funded companies, but – um, like they get into it with the business plan of saying, we'll start out on this path and then we'll see where the clear light is and we'll pivot towards that direction as long as we're right. in a uh, running room. Um, I build stuff that makes sense to me naturally. And if it happens to me on a different platform for a different audience, a totally different domain entirely, it still makes sense to me and it wasn't um, on a path. I don't have a, a five-year plan, right? I right. just have these things I'm building now. And when, when one of them is done, I'll have enough room to, you know, plug that hole with something else. That either my wife will tell me or I'll take a client project if I feel like it or I'll I'll do another app that I thought of. But I mean I wanna do I wanna do a game that um, doesn't have any um, um, graphics in it. Not not text game, but a speech driven game. Oh, that'd um, be interesting. You know why? Because there's a Star Trek Next Generation episode where Geordie LaForge <laughs> gets, into, gets into a shuttle pod and he goes on a vacation trip or something like that. And he tells the computer, computer, how about a game? And he leans back and he ch- sips some drink or whatever. And uh, the computer asks him, uh, o- audio or, or visual, right? And they can't afford graphics since 1992. So, awesome. of course, he, say, he says, uh, audio. And the computer starts giving him trivia. And trivia is shit. But I want to build an actual game that doesn't require... Uh, visual interaction maybe for car trips or whatever it's still crash but you know I like um, that you should edit but there, this out no, that's, good, no, that's no, a good no, one I'm not editing it <laughs> steal, steal <laughs> it if you want I had this idea for like since 1992 <laughs> <laughs> since the episode but I mean this is a sort of there's no this is gonna be from 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 your perspective from a third party perspective if I build this right, right and it becomes a hit right the articles are gonna say oh they pivoted into this space of audio games Right. I had no intention of doing that. I just thought it was a cool thing to build. Right. <laughs> Luckily, my existing crap gives me enough money to live on that I could, you know, fuck around, essentially.
0: Well, I think it's going to be very interesting if deck takes off because it's a very different kind. It, it'll be very different for you, I think, because, like, the mobile stuff, like, you build it. It's done. I mean, you have some bug fixes. You do occasional updates. But, like, I kind of get the sense you pretty much move on and they kind of take care of themselves for the most part. And, like... You know, something like UberDeck, which is a hosted service, is like a much more kind of continually operating thing. So, I'll be interested to see. I'll be interested to hear how you make out with that. That'll be some good fodder for this podcast a few months down the road. Here,
1: I actually wanted to come back later on. Remind, <coughs> losing my voice. Remind me to come back later on about hosted versus SaaS thing that I wanted to ask you. Okay. But let's not let's not go away from this list because it's going to be like not good. Um, number two is uh, we talked about this before: B two B instead of B two C, right? Right. Business to business. I I strong. I I I tweeted and I blogged like a short blog message a while back that like I think most startup advice is just utter nonsense and shit. You listen to it when you start out, but later on you'll you'll discover that nobody's an expert. It's just you know I'm I'm making money by telling you what to do type of nonsense. Right, Right. Uh, but. Business to business over business to customer is the only thing that held true throughout, like my entire path to being jaded. Right. From business <laughs> advice. I I truly believe that. Just B oh, uh, Hold on a second. Sure. I was gonna wake the baby up too.
0: Damn this old technology. The
1: fucking phones, man. All right, so yeah, so business, uh, you know, t- throughout the years, the only thing that stood true to me was that uh, business to customers sucks, and business to business is awesome. Except that I never listened to that advice. Right. <laughs> all, all, all <laughs> my stuff is business is, to customers. Everything is business to customer, except UberDeck is business to business.
0: And the spam, yeah. well, I guess, the spam filter was kind of straddled that line of like it was definitely more. It seemed like it was more for business folk by its price point and everything, but um, I'm sure you had consumer in there as well.
1: Yeah, except people forget to kind of uh, either understand if they're listening to the device or or explain when they're giving the advice. When people say business to business and when people say business to customers, selling to a two-person mom-and-pop grocery store uh, logistically is the same as selling to a customer. Right. They're not business enough to, for you to reap the benefits of it being a business-to-business sale, right, right, right. yeah, that's, that's true. So, so yeah. th- it's, it's 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 not it doesn't have to be Fortune 500, but um, a five-person web development uh, web design uh, team is already acts as a corporate entity, and you could do it as a business-to-business transaction. A two-person uh, consultancy. Um, is still at a point where the money they're spending on your software is their money
0: right it's personal you have to,
1: yeah it's personal money you have to get if you're if you're um, doing transactions and you're buying software if you're able to map the number of sales you have to do to how many sales you have to do in order to afford this piece of software that's too personal you're a customer right. even though you're buying it for the, for your companies right you have to get um, you have to be at a, at a a certain that doesn't have to be large, but it has to be a certain level for you to count as a as a business entity. So that's yeah. somebody,
0: right? And I think a lot of that you can see that in like the pricing of how you price things. Like <clears throat> you know, even with HelpSpot or even Snappy, like you know, you know, these could be thousands of dollars. You know, these transactions, and for the most part, you're not gonna. Um, be selling something like that to a consumer so it's you know more clearly business or at least somebody who's very serious if it's a small shop it's somebody who's you know still pretty serious about the business not um you know gonna be taking a flyer on something like that for the most part and uh yeah i mean I, that's all true again that's all kind of from my jaded perspective of wanting to optimize for uh profitability and likelihood of success it just seems simpler to Sell to a few fewer big companies than to sell to, you know, thousands of individual folks for a few dollars, and to make that, you know, to reach that many people is just much
1: more complicated. Yeah, consumers don't buy anything. We talked about this already. But yeah, yeah. Consumers will basically drive your prices down to commodity levels, where right. you have to edge out uh, two or three pennies worth to be able to make anything. But it's Especially it's not only software. You could you could. Uh, you could have a business in that space, but as a startup, you can't compete in that space. So, you, uh, for for the sake of the people that are listening to this podcast, uh, you can't have a business in that space. I just want <laughs> I mean, I mean, craft can, but you right. can't. Right?
0: Yeah, and um, if you do that in mobile, right? It's like you got to. It has to be free, mobile, and you mobile is different. hope. You... Yeah,
1: and only because there's there's uh, uh, an entire ecosystem built for you right. in order to facilitate all that.
0: Yeah, I don't even know if you wanted to like start a software business that sells to consumers but is not mobile nowadays. That's rough. That's not like there's not a lot of good ways. I mean, I guess on the Mac you have the Mac App Store, so that's that's okay. It's kind of similar to a mobile app store, but I don't know. It's definitely tricky. I guess if you're gonna do that, you definitely probably want to do it in mobile these days, even with all those other kind of downsides. But um, which I mean, I guess makes sense because everything mobile is so huge and just getting bigger, but. Yeah. So that
1: know. that list I have of product ideas to do next and next and next and next, right, right, it's like 600 products long. Not a single business to customer product. Right. So <laughs> I I just haven't figured out not something that I that I don't want to do. I certainly would like to do the audio games. That's clearly business to customer. But sure. um, there's just there's just um, so much opportunity in B two B, and it's so much easier to approach. than why bother? You know.
0: Yeah. And I think now more than ever it's so much easier to compete in B2B. You know, companies are realizing that they can spend less and come down into like the price points that you know a bootstrapper can afford to be in. Like you know, like in help desk software, like back in the day, even when we first started, you know, we competed a lot against huge companies that you know, they're going to fly to your corporation and they're going to sit in your boardroom and they're going to do a presentation and they're going to send three guys out to implement it for you. And, you know, it's a half a million dollar, you know, kind of thing. Mm. And, uh, and that was just the way it was done. You know, and if you were smaller, you just use nothing because, you know, you didn't, you couldn't afford the big solution and that was it. So, um, but now, you know, everything's like 150 bucks a month or 50 bucks a month or whatever the case is. And, so it's much easier to compete as a bootstrapper in that kind of space because you're not going to be expected to fly to somebody's office for $50 a month. And uh, you know the expectations have kind of come down in B2B a certain bit, uh, which is very good for a small software company. Um, you know, It's much easier to deal with than having dedicated sales teams and people flying all over the country and stuff like that.
1: Mm. All right, number three. Clear, three. clear, clear, and simple revenue model. You want to explain that? I mean, I never paid attention. I mean, out of the the four things on your list, I paid attention to one and two. Right. Um, number number three. Number <laughs> three. Number three. I couldn't care less. And number four, I've never done in my life. So <laughs> <we'll> go, <laughs> let's let's see number three. Number three is clear and simple revenue model. I I I mean, B two C software. I have a single price or I have a single right. uh, monthly charge thing. But you're you entered a space where people were like call our sales agents so we could quote something for you type exactly. of sales system right so that's why you put that up
0: right? yeah and i think that this apply this is, to me this is the one that's probably least applicable these days because i think anybody who's starting anything right now is like if you're in one of the mobile app stores uh, you pretty much are forced into a specific you know pricing model and then if you're a saas app it's pretty standard. you're going to charge x per month or x per user or, you know, maybe X per resources and gigabytes or something. But, you know, that's pretty much it. And you're not really going to have, uh, you know, a lot outside of that. You're not going to be putting up something that says call to get a quote or anything like that. So, yeah, I mean, I think that's just pretty simple these days and trying to keep it simple. And I mean, with Snappy, we're going to try to keep it really simple. That's one of our goals, even even simpler than a lot of the competition. So I'm still kind of taking it to heart that way, but... Uh, But, yeah, I think it's pretty – it's not really –
1: That's actually a great way of finding a – if you're looking for a single product to, like, spend a long time building, but it being, like, the flagship of your company, you know, to the point where your company is the name that is the product type of a deal. Right. um, A good way of doing that is find any industry where you can't get a price online. Um, Yeah. And and, and there's a ton of them. They're usually, like, the old – call one of our reseller agents in order to get a quote type of uh, banking insurance uh, right. and anything to do with real estate uh, payment process. Well, payment processing is changing, right? Because you have Stripe and Square and all that stuff. Yeah, they're um, chipping away. Yeah, they're chipping away. that. But when we started out, was Authorize.net and good fucking luck finding how much it costs without Calling some people and figuring it out. Right? Like
0: I literally still don't even know. Like I, I also, <laughs> like they just take money out. And yeah, I they don't just take money what out. What is and, and they, they lock the data in because now we
1: can't switch. We'll talk about that later. Authorized. Yes, yeah, that's,
0: that's a whole nother disaster. We uh, should talk but about.
1: yeah, so if you go around and you look or or um. Anything to do with house services, roofers, plumbers, blah, 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 whatever. I don't know why people concentrate so much on um, how to order uh, cars on the Internet or how to order dog food on the Internet or whatever else the Silicon Valley startups are concentrating on. It, I, figure out a way for me to get like a, a plumbing quote or a roofer quote or anything having to do with housing uh, services. Uh, in uh, And you have, you know, 10 billion people in the... Um, Um, rural and suburban areas who are just uh, don't want to pay for uh, things like Angie's List or whatever and and don't trust anybody on Craigslist, but they would like to, without having to call anybody and bullshit their way around various quotes, figuring out how much stuff costs they could figure out whether to do it themselves or whether to call somebody or schedule something online.
0: I have kind of a theory on that because like, you know, so like, uh, you know, so I guess... Three years ago, we, we built a house. And so I was dealing with you know, every, all these contractors. And um, they are just so, so out of the technology world. I mean, like so I think it comes down to like everybody starting companies is, is doing this thing, right? Where it's like, oh, we have a simple model. We're charging it 50 bucks a month for whatever, whatever. But because of that, exactly like what we were just talking about. Like they're not not going to have a thousand people company where they're sending people out into the field to like train people or or even to find people and anything like that. And so um, there's just this like uh, you know these people the people in these industries are going to need like help to get up to that speed. And there's not really anybody out there trying to help them um, except the only people I've seen doing it and they're and they're growing huge is HubSpot. And I'm sure you know about HubSpot. You've heard about them a little bit, but They're uh, like they're hired. I mean, they've hired like four or five hundred people, and all these people do all day is call small businesses on the phone Mm -hmm. and like sign them up for like their websites and SEO and mailing list manager and this. You know, it's like a CRM. It's like everything your small business needs in one package. And uh, so I guess they're trying to do that, but but yeah, no. I mean, it's really tricky because none of these guys. I mean, they had phones, but they were just like regular phones and. Nobody had a computer. Half the guys. It was.
1: I think. All, I think all of these, all of these businesses that try to um, connect the online world with with the not online world are having a hell of a time. Groupon and and uh, Seamless Web and food delivery services and anything that requires you to hook up a person who couldn't care less about being online with an online service. Uh, and Patrick McKenzie has that appointment reminder thing. I don't know how that's doing, but I'm pretty sure that's like his biggest problem is trying to call up this uh, nail salon and uh, convince the lady behind the counter that you know this will be useful to her. Right. Um, but uh, they're chipping away, so that's good. But, I mean, I, I've had just a little bit of that. Uh, we built – I had a client a long time ago who asked me to build a dispatching system, right, which is basically um, a way to have his ambulances talk to dispatchers at his calls, you know, center. Right. And I built this magnificent thing, whatever, um, uh, front-end JavaScript, the single-page app, everything that Uberdeck isn't, everything beautiful. Um, and the Android uh, portion where the, the drivers would carry... Basically, a complete replacement for GPS, plus the ability for the drivers to talk to the dispatchers without having to type anything. Mm. It's wonderful. He flipped out and uh, d- disappeared. So, And that was like 12, 10, 12 grand that we were out. So... Uh, I still have it I'm not selling it I don't want to do anything with it but during that time when it was up on the market I went around because you know he's in an industry where people know each other because they're all you know fucking fucked art buddies and they all go to the same bars and clubs and whatever just chain smoking and you know, little right. trailers type of an industry. <laughs> um, so he knows a guy who sits in another trailer and chain smokes all day, and that guy knows another guy who sits in another trailer and chain smokes all day, and they're really competitors, but they're really not, right? Right. They just operate in a different geographical area, mm. and they have barely enough of these ambulances to cover that geographical area, so they're really, you know, tight. but right. So one sends me to another one, and another one sends me to this one, and I'm sitting there doing my little spiel on what this product can do for them, And they're like, there's like underwear on the floor and like (laughs) stacks of porn in the corner. And like there's these guys that are making millions of dollars a year from like a cardboard in an alley type of a thing, right? This is as far away from what I do as you could imagine. So, of course, there was no sales from this. I can't even get these people to sit and... Look at me and concentrate for more than five minutes. And, uh, so I feel I feel for these people that are trying to like bridge the internet world with, with the non-internet world because it, it's yeah. it's hard. I mean, I spoke about this in a What now. I think podcast uh, in the earlier episodes that I think um, certain set of problems will only resolve themselves through uh, several d- d- generations essentially dying out. Right. <laughs> that, that's, that's essentially the only way you could get progress in in certain areas right so i think that's one of those things but hey all, you know all the best to you patrick if you could get you know that lady to sign up for your appointment reminder kudos but not the business i really want to be in
0: well too that's even the kind of thing where like if you only have you know he only needs so many again it's kind of you know it's a b2b right so he only needs actually a small number of people you know out of the whole world you know if he finds 20 businesses a month that need this service and are looking actively looking for it because they're up on stuff enough mm-hmm. and find him, then that's gonna be enough. You know, and he's gonna charge them each twenty bucks a month. And next month he's gonna have forty, and then he's gonna have sixty, and he's gonna have eighty, and he's gonna have a hundred. And so, you know, it just grows from there. So that's where as long as your costs are really low as they can be in a bootstrap, you know, setup, that even if you're only kindly chipping away at just a few people a month if you can charge them all 20 bucks a month you know that's a nice that's 240 bucks a year or whatever and uh, you know you can But you're you're
1: all you're all swimming in the same little pond of um, not internet businesses who are aware and are willing to do business right. with internet businesses right? right and the only way that pond will grow that pond will not grow by you putting a wedge into it, that Pond will grow right. naturally through time, through yes. through these people leaving and their children taking over the business and the children who grew up on Facebook, right. right? I mean, I
0: agree. It's with time. I mean, it's already grown. I mean, since we started, like I remember yes, at the of end course. of college, yeah. it was like I had the Yahoo account and nobody did anything on the internet other than like, you know, random, I don't even know what went on back then, stock G- quotes, Geocities, G- man. Geocities. <laughs> and then like, obviously now it's where it is, you know, not even 20 right. years later. So yeah, but... You know what I'm finding fascinating is just imagining you on an in-person sales call. That must have been classic.
1: <laughs> I had I had, a one, I had a couple of jobs. There was a certain set of jobs that they hire for no matter how uh, um, inept you are <laughs> as a teenager. And telemarketing is always one of those. And to this day, any kind of – phones are my natural nemesis in life. <laughs> I cannot – I will celebrate the day when the last phone – Landline or whatever Will be turned off And phones will never Ever be used again I will be the right. happiest man In my life <laughs> I can't stand them And and telemarketing I spent a few Months Weeks in Worst job ever Yeah right. so, That's not a good job Yeah all right, so,
0: so let's, wrap, let's wrap this topic up. So, let's. Last- right, clear and
1: simple revenue model. The simple one is eating your own dog food. I've never done it. And I, I almost explicitly have never done it. I, for some unknown reason, I, I cannot. You know how actors can't watch themselves? Some actors can't watch themselves on screen. They say that all the. I cannot use my own software. (laughs) I'm incapable of doing it. I can't. I will sit there and I will be paralyzed before clicking this button because first I'll start tracing the path of code and what the hell is happening, and then I'll start tracing a path of failures and I will just sit there for 20 minutes clicking on the login button, (laughs) and 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 I cannot, you know, I have Victoria testing. My wife is. Does a lot of the testing because I can't test my code because once it gets to a certain point of usability, like it's almost real. releasable beta, where it's a full-featured product, I can't use it. I don't right. want to use it. I know I know too much about the guts of this thing to use it as a user. Right? Yeah. So- I don't know. You know, uh, my
0: feelings have changed on this a little bit since I wrote this. I mean, I definitely think it's useful um because. Obviously, you get to know it. You know, presumably it's in an area you already know if you're using it. So that's a good thing in that you have some domain knowledge. But um and then you're using it every day. So like obviously with HelpSpot and Snappy, we are gonna we use them all the time because we're we're building them and they require support, and so we're using them for support. But um there is definitely a downside to it. Uh, see I think the downside's more long term because just like with any software, you know, you find the way that you use it and you get comfortable with that. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, it kind of, uh, biases you even more than you might already be into like the types of features you want to build or, you know, just how you think about the app. Whereas, you know, it has such an open mind sometimes because you know how you use it and that kind of colors everything. Um, and I think that can sometimes be negative. But uh, I mean, I think overall it's positive. But, but yeah, it, you know, if you build this uh, voice game, you're going to have to play that at least.
1: Yeah, no. I, would say. <laughs> I built games before. I released games and I never played. We had Astro Jane. We had a yeah, Sudoku so. game. I never, I never played it. <laughs> so what I'm saying is that uh, I'm not saying it's not a good idea to eat your own dog food. I think it's a fantastic idea. I'm just saying from my own perspective, a lot of the good ideas I don't follow because right. of my personality <laughs> limitations. So so it's not one of those cases where I say, you know, do as I say, not as I do. Uh, I'm not even saying do as I do or do as I say. Don't follow me at all because <laughs> my 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 uh, examples are really bad. I'm just saying my uh, what I do from my own experiences. I, I cannot... I mean, there's a lot of things I can't do and I'm sure they limit me. I can't talk to people on the phone and I can't uh, use my own software products and, and I can't do customer support without you know feeling like like, uh, like I want to go cry in the corner for the rest of the day. So there's a lot of things that uh, wouldn't be advisable. <laughs> All I could do is say what I do, right? So, but you, but you, you, you do the support, so that's good. You yeah, actually do it. You it just it makes you I, feel I, bad. I after. do the support. I just can't. I can't. Um, even this podcast, I feel like shit after I do the podcast why because I feel like I let myself out too much there's a certain uh, energy level a certain um, adrenaline level that then has to be forced to go back down to its natural state (laughs) Uh, this is not natural right I'm very quiet right Um, so (laughs) <laughs> it's, you know, it's good to get out there though sometimes you know you gotta let the stuff out we were saying before after this i go out and i listen to podcasts from like 2003 2000 right. dave weiner podcast from like 2004 and you know the old stuff i listen to because it centers me not because it's well first of all 2004 is not old 2004 was yesterday because the 90s were like last week that's not just bluey. how it is <laughs> i it's it's really odd when you realize that um the other day, a person who was clearly born um, in 1998 was trying to sell me life insurance at my door, right. <laughs> and that was like the freakiest experience. Yeah. Um. So, so to me, the 90s were last week, and 2004 was yesterday. So, listening to a podcast from 2004 is like it's a brand new podcast to me. Right. It's, it's so satisfying. that's how I settled down after. Right. So there's a lot of things that um, uh, writing. I turned off comments on my blog a long oh, time ago yeah. because I can't read that stuff I can't read um, my wife goes and looks at the reviews for the apps on the app store to see if there's any bugs that need to be fixed because I can't read those those things really I think Joel Spolsky essentially quit blogging because after 10 years um, even after 10 years the criticism weighs on you you can't turn it off and it doesn't matter how thick skinned you are uh, and how pe- how much people love you or hate you, if you expose yourself, you're going to invite criticism. It's just the way the world is. And that criticism will affect you. It's just the way humans are. So uh, I, yeah, I try to limit myself to to certain stimuli that I'd rather not be exposed to.
0: It, for me, the blog comments in particular, like um, not that I used to get tons of negative ones, but it's more like, I just feel like there's a superior solution now too. Like Instead of having to like maintain that and watch over it and you yeah, have... Somebody put something negative, and you're dealing with that, and it's on your site. Like now, there's Twitter, and there's you know all this other stuff out there, and like so you can kind of like get as much of that feedback as you want, but you don't have to take that much of it, and it's not up on your site where you have to like actually deal with it. Like if you don't want to deal with it at all, then you don't have to even think about it, and if you do want to deal with it, then you can go get it. But I mean, the app store stuff's a little different because your your stuff's up there, and then it's just you know people's random rantings underneath it. Um right there. So that's kinda and they don't let you right I think they don't let you actually like put follow ups or anything. There's nothing you can really no, you do can, about yes. it. So it's kind of annoying. You don't know why they're mad or they're just well, being yeah, whatever. Okay. This, is, this
1: is kind of treading into what UberDeck is, is, is partaking. Oh, man. We're
0: going to get this story out of him, everybody. <laughs> Actually, he's going to tell us what it is. It's going to be yeah, awesome. Yeah, the
1: point of UberDeck is to let me make a shitload more money with my mobile apps. So because of I'm uh, making it public, when I say if you're a mobile developer, it will be a really good idea for you to sign up for the beta, I'm not being a sales guy because I don't care because I'll be using it anyway but if you're in the mobile space it'll be a really good idea if you go sign up for Uberdeck and the beta will be free anyway so you could uh, Uberdeck.com go sign up yeah (laughs) I actually I I
0: actually do know what it is and uh, I actually do think it's a really good idea so um, I can't wait till we can delve into it in depth because I think that's going to be a really cool uh a lot of different stuff to cover with that, and it's going to be very interesting. Yeah, I
1: mean, there's there's competitors in the space, but they're all doing it wrong. So right. I think that's why one of the things you're going to enjoy talking to me about, because you like, um, um, you essentially entered the help desk, um, arena with the same perspective of there's right. a thousand players and they're all doing it wrong. Yeah. Um. So I think I think the same thing here. There are people who are doing kind of like what UberDeck is doing, but they're all doing it wrong. Yeah,
0: that's gonna be there's gonna be yeah. a lot to learn from that. That's gonna be really. <laughs> I'm excited. Uh, right, so
1: yeah, so those are the f- those are the four things. All right. Um, well, we so fragmented that. market, I believe in business before uh, business before customer, I believe in clear and simple revenue model. Um, yeah, sure, okay, and right. uh, eat your own dog food if you can. I can't. <laughs> there we go. Um, there we go. Yeah, there's a bunch of other That'd things that. Um. um we, we actually we're, we're getting questions now from Twitter and from email and stuff like that which I'm excited about that yeah 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 we'll cover with. a couple
0: of those I wanted to cover um, one thing before let's cover yeah, one more ahead. thing and then uh, and then maybe we'll just follow up with a couple of those questions and then we'll wrap it but um because you know, yeah we're already
1: at like an hour or something so ah
0: people love listening to us so that's alright they do um,
1: alright all right. I don't even <laughs> like listening to this for editing purposes <laughs> <laughs> all I've all actually right. been enjoying <laughs> it I don't know, I
0: like the listening to it all right. Um. All right. So the one thing was you uh, you all you posted up here about, and we'll put this link up, but it's uh, it's a quasi famous um, link to Steve Jobs, Steve uh, Jobs answering too. a question at mm. you know some Apple event um, way it's back brilliant. in the '90s. It's,
1: it's brilliant. You have to like burn this into your skull.
0: Yeah, it's uh, great, and it's for a like brilliant. a million Classy. reasons.
1: I'll tell you what the title is, and you could all go to YouTube and find out. It's called Steve J- Steve Jobs Steve Jobs. Uh, insult response. Yeah, and and, it's and from, we'll uh,
0: link it in the show notes also, Andres. Yeah. It'll be right there. They'll be That's able to click right. it. But, uh, uh, uh,
1: June 8, 2011, it was uploaded. I don't know when this took place. Yeah, I think uh,
0: it, was, oh, yeah, it was like 95 or something like yeah, that. Yeah, he's,
1: he's, uh, he's not uh, scarily thin. So Yeah, um, and I think was he wasn't soldered. even back
0: yet officially i think he was i don't know he was just kind of on his way back I, or maybe he was just just had come back but it was pretty pretty early there but um yeah, yeah so, so i don't know it'll be interesting i don't know if you're taking away from it the same thing i am so I'm, I'm taking away from that, it two things because okay. I, I, I you give me I, your take first
1: so the content is 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 out there it's the the words in a book right the content is in the video and it's the brilliance that is steve jobs you, right. you, you get it what i take away from it is that um Living a million lifetimes, I would not be able to handle myself the way he handles <laughs> yeah. himself. You'd be throwing stuff off the stage. I'd be choking the guy in the aisle. <laughs> <laughs> but that's all I'm saying. I mean, I'd be—I would be saying things that I would clearly regret ten seconds after I said them. Right. Um, with with the typical head down for seven, eight seconds, he gave, um what is essentially a PR perfect response that not only alleviated the situation, but turned it back to people liking him even more because of it. Yeah. And that's like, that's, I don't think that could be learned. That's just articulation. Uh, that's, that's Steve Jobs being, that's, that's the thing that makes him. So um, that's, a, that's, that's why you turn into all the WWDC things like a minute right. after they're posted, just to watch him on stage. You don't really care what he's saying. You just want to watch him. Perform. perform yeah he's right. a performer he's right. uh yeah
0: yeah and i so. mean that's i mean did, did, did what was your other thing or or just that uh well, the that content you, you and, the, and the, the the method
1: <laughs> through which he handled it right yeah it's the the, the thing and the matter of the thing is what yeah. i was looking
0: at right so i so i like obviously the like um the performance of it and just the way he handled it i mean it's it's perfect it's classic it's yeah, uh it's you couldn't great. imagine it anybody doing any better than that I mean it's as good as it gets um, so there's just I mean you could study that video over and over like if you do a lot of public speaking or just, or just for your own knowledge I mean I think I've seen it definitely like I don't even know how many, eight nine times at least I've watched that thing um, over the years but the other thing I took away from it uh, is just the, in the actual content right so the guy's up there asking this question and he's like you know and it's a really hardcore developer guy Mm-hmm. And he's talking to Steve Jobs and he's like, all right, well, you know, I don't think you know what you're talking about. And, you know, explain to me why we were going to Java from Open Doc, because Open Doc's so much better, blah, 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 blah. And just the content of like Steve Jobs, like obviously he responds to him beautifully, but also just that he's like, you know, you know I'm, I'm up here, I'm thinking about this at a very high level and at a right. very high level which specific technology we're using is completely irrelevant because yes. nobody cares. Yes. And the correct the correct
1: thing he's saying is that you programmers are thinking about the wrong things.
0: Right. You're thinking about the technology first and yes. you need to be thinking about the consumer he, first. He
1: he he floored him without saying a bad thing about him. Yeah. It's just fantastic. It was great. It is just okay. fantastic on seven different levels.
0: But that's great. what I always like I mean especially nowadays it's like I still think it's so relevant because it's like you know oh it's less in this programming language and that rails and this and you got to do this thing and that thing and all this technology and and you know we're using a bunch of it so we're definitely uh, in that boat but it's like it's just good to remind yourself that like okay like it's not about technology. Like it's never about technology. Nobody buys it for the technology. That's what we care about as like craftsmen and our tools, but like mm-hmm. it's irrelevant to the people who just need a solution to their problem. And uh, so I just think I, on every level, that is a great five minute interaction there. So yeah, everybody should go check that out. That's actually um, one that. of the
1: things that I really enjoyed from your early, early, earliest blog entries when you were still deciding on what to use for HelpSpot. Right. And the reasons you gave for what you chose none had to do with what you were proficient in or what you like or the hotness of the month it was all like well the customer is not going to spend money on this so I have to do it like this and most people are right. still running on PHP 4 so I have to do this and like in the end you chose the stack that's most best for the people you're selling it to right the experience yeah. you get right? yeah, exactly. remove friction right, right, right. even if it, even if it puts a lot more friction on you right And I think
0: that something I want to talk about more um, as we go, and I think is an interesting difference between us is like, you know, you're a super talented developer guy, and you know code, and you're a genius with that stuff. And my my background (laughs) is I'm not, you know, I'm not a developer guru. I mean, I can get around fine in in the code and stuff, but it doesn't come naturally to me, uh, and it's not what I'm best at in all this. So. Uh, it's kind of interesting. Like a lot of those blog posts are related to that too, because you know I didn't have any formal training essentially, and uh, and there's a lot I learned on the job with it all, and so there's a lot of interesting stuff. And and I just think it's, you know, um, just that it's not. It's just interesting how that all plays together if you're uh, if you have like a computer science background versus not having one, and. And all the differences there, so there's a lot we'll cover in the future of that. But um, I don't know if people are aware of that, so I thought I'd let everybody know that I'm not not a code guru.
1: Yeah, I don't think I'm a good developer. You're I've, a guru. I've never considered... No, I uh, you are a guru. I uh, I um, because I have products all over the place. Uh, my thing is that I can figure out how to get shit done, um, which kind of puts me at the top. Um, top 10% of knowledge in, in a lot of things. Right. Uh, but uh, very rarely do I have to go down to like, you know, uh, effective C++ and more effective C++ template awfulness level of knowledge. <laughs> uh, um, uh, earlier on, Wall Street days, yeah, I mean, I'll build a compiler for you. But but now, uh, it's almost a necessity. type. Of, like, for example, um, um, one of our products for the BlackBerry was... Um, an SMS filter and basically that took incoming SMS messages and did an an analysis on them just like the spam filter did analysis on email messages but only on the little, you know, 100, whatever, 30, 40, 70 characters that SMS text messages and, you know, filters it and doesn't filter it, whatever. But the mechanics of intercepting an incoming SMS message Uh and analyzing it and redirecting it or deleting it is... Is nowhere in the API. It's it's just not possible. Right. Um. And I knew that that it would be a really popular product. And and and. At first, we didn't do it. Just like there's another product that we didn't do at first called the Call Screener, which uh, blocked phone calls, uh, sort of like a spam filter for email, but for phone calls. And we didn't do it because we didn't know if it was possible because um, the BlackBerry exposed a lot of things because it was Java and it wasn't closed off like the iPhone and uh, uh, is closed off in the API. But right. none of the stuff is officially in the API. Right. Um, it wasn't until like some guy somewhere did it and there was an awful UI, and uh, it was like half English, half Korean, or something. It was just an awful product. It was typical, like, type of open source, but it wasn't open source. But typical right. open source, no documentation, no thought given to the consumer type of product. I threw it up there because I did it. It wasn't until we saw that it was possible to do that Gavin figured out how to do call blocking and then several years later i saw another guy who did sms blocking and i knew it was possible so i'm not a, a good enough programmer to figure out how to like you say a guru whatever to figure out how to do it but i'm good enough to figure out how to figure it out so in the end you know, you run. <laughs> you, you did it. A, in the you end. D- yes, but I didn't do it because of my programming knowledge. I did it because. <laughs> but that's just—they're not. That's just. About I you dug not a hole deep enough snipped. into this. Well, yeah, the code you had to start doing bit shifting and packet sniffing, and you had to do right. a lot of shit that programmers are not comfortable with doing now, and it's not really an API. But right. I wouldn't say it would. I. I, 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 I it's very rare for. to find an employer who would value the skills the particular skill set that I have that they would say he's a good developer. I'm a good, I'm the perfect developer for my company.
0: Right. <laughs> well, I think that happens to all of us. Like anybody who's run their own business for like this long in software, like, yeah, like, like we talked about the other day on the last one, like, I, I don't know if I have actual value to another corporation at this point. Like, you know, uh, yeah, we're very, you become kind of jack of all trades and there's a lot, lot of, uh, you're very customized to your own company. but um, mm-hmm. So that's, that's probably true at this point of view. But I'm going to still call you Guru.
1: All right, fine. <laughs> <laughs> All right. so I want to have s- the programming skills of uh, uh, John Carmack and the personality skills, although not the personality, of Steve Jobs. There you um, go. Merge one. <laughs> um, if, if there's anybody's personality, I'll take is, is uh, Eric Barnes. I'll take yeah, it. We right? got I want to always be happy. <laughs> Uh, Eventually, yeah, I'll yeah. get off his case, and I'll always be happy. Thing, but he brought it up. Uh, what
0: else? You watch his talk. That's why. And I did watch his talk I love through. that line. I'm
1: always happy. That's how you got to open shit. I'm always happy. Yeah, that kind of. And somebody... not be ironic about it. That's fantastic.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah, New Yorkers not... can't do that. No, we, we're not really capable of defaulting not... <laughs> into that mode. That's yeah. not going to work for us. Um, we gotta, we gotta have some surliness about us. You know, it doesn't really work out. But yeah, so um, all right, so we're kind of running on here. So let's. uh, I think we'll probably end up doing this fairly often. I mean, I don't want to promise it every week, but I mean, definitely, we've already had the number of people asking us questions. So we'll probably set aside, you know, five or ten minutes at the end of each episode or some point in each episode to maybe take a couple, and uh, or or if there's something a bigger topic, maybe we'll do it earlier and and flush it out a bit. But Hmm. there was a couple uh, this week, so. I'll start with one, and we'll we'll talk about them. Um, the first was, we'll, we'll start off with a simple one, which is uh, Eric, actually, uh, who works at UserScape, uh, did want to know if we had kids when we started our companies. Um, and I, both of us, I think, did not. Um, I, my wife was pregnant with our first child, I guess, right when we launched. Um, yeah, when we launched HelpSpot. Uh, she was pregnant when we launched it, but and, and now and, you
1: have what, fourteen, fifteen? No, we have two
0: and and one in the oven. So one yeah, for two. for the listeners, he's
1: literally on baby birth yeah. watch right like now. Like the wife
0: could come in here at any moment and any pull moment me out of here and say it's time time to go to have so, the third.
1: Yeah. yeah, no, I have I have one. One, uh, um, Ethan is eleven months.
0: Yeah, you're new to this also. I am new to this, yeah. I mean, I don't know. Did you think about it? Like, I was very, again, like, obviously, we've gone we've gone over that I've kind of planned this out quite a bit. But, I mean, that was something I did consider was uh, we were like, all right, well, if we're going to try this, because we're very square. I mean, we call ourselves so square that we're, like, pointy, you know. So, like, we were like, okay, if we're going to try to run our own business, like, we wanted, and we didn't have kids yet at that point, and we've been married a couple of years. And so we were like, okay. Um, let 's try it now before we have kids, because then if it doesn 't work, it doesn't you know, really matter, and we 'll just get jobs or whatever. So um, that you know, was not like the main factor, but it was something that we did consider. I definitely think if I had three kids, and you know it would be additional pressure, i 'm sure, although I kind of go back and forth on that, because the, the problem without having kids, and I definitely had this problem, was that then you could just work as much as you can as you want and so like i just worked like 22 hours a day like trying to build help spot and trying to learn all the stuff i needed to learn and just was practically killing myself whereas if you have children you really you know hopefully you're not doing that at least to some level you're gonna have to like get away from the computer and you know play a little bit and there's just stuff that needs to be done and just life pulls you away a little bit which like looking back might have actually uh might have actually been good. So I go back and forth a little bit, but obviously it'd be I guess a little more pressure in some ways.
1: Um I can't answer whether I would have started the company or not. Uh if I had kids. Because I, um well first of all, you know, the company the way the company got started, I kinda of fell into it. I mean it right. happened that the product started selling, so I happened to not have to go back to work. Right. Um uh, so <clears throat> um uh, 37 signals guys uh Jason Fried uh DHH whatever um have this thing about uh a lot of people in a lot of professions have this thing about um interruptions being the the root of all evil um they are so we can't. Get, we have to get into the zone, right? So if yeah. if a programmer gets into the zone, if he's lucky or she's lucky enough to get into the zone to go with the flow, whatever, um, you'll do 90 percent uh, of your coding for the week while you're in that two-hour zone, right? That's yeah. um, uh, uh, wonderful and all that. When you have a child, forget it. Right. I, I haven't been there in that wondrous Narnia for. Oh, you know, 11 months. It's just impossible. Um, It's The most difficult part is learning to code the same complicated things you coded before on uh, intervals of um, 20 minutes, 25 minutes. Um, And it's not necessarily because you have to leave your space and go deal with the baby. It's because um, even if he starts crying, you, you lost it, right? It's yeah. an interruption without it being an explicit interruption against you, right? So the crying, the, the 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 just just you're aware, you're you're aware of the child. It's like a built-in type of a thing. If he gets too quiet, you're even aware of that, right? Right.
0: <laughs> What's going um, on out there? Right. But the, the quiet right. is not good.
1: Um. So so uh, I read recently actually a bunch of articles where they say. Yes, you can't get into the zone when you have kids and you have to do a startup or you have to do uh, code, but it has made me a better developer because the time that I have to write code is more focused on the code and less focused on uh, Twitter and Reddit and whatever. I haven't found that to be true. Even though (laughs) I I don't go Twitter and Reddit, I still still have not been able to train myself out of the requirement of the 20-minute wind-up to get into right. the code. I still need that 20-minute windup. So the 25-minute interruption interval is still very detrimental to me, even if I have no aspirations of hitting the zone after you know, 25, 30 minutes, uh, even without having to hit the zone just to get back to where I am. Uh, maybe it's my kind of code. Maybe it's the way that I write code. Maybe it's because I constantly, uh, on a regular basis, have three products in my right. head So I have to like. It takes me longer To wind into it But I haven't found it To be true That the, ch- the, the presence Of the baby Has made me A um, uh, sharper uh, colder. Um, well have you found this I mean one
0: of the things I find is that It also Tends to make me And I guess I'm just used to it now But like uh, it, it adds to the sense Of being continuously Rushed like I'm always feel rushed because I mean, we, we have a lot going on. So there's kind of a reason for it. But there's also it's just like whether it's child interruption, there's chat room interruptions. Now that we have employees, there's like, you know, obviously there's Twitter and stuff, which I consider, you know, marketing. So, you, but that's like this interactive thing. So like, I mean, I'm just like always feel rushed and I don't yep. know if you've got to get that.
1: I, I felt that way even when I had no responsibilities and right. no baby. And no, <laughs> that's just that's part of my personality. It's, it's yeah. uh, a sense of um, uh, that, a sense of being rushed and a sense of everlasting guilt. The guilt doesn't have, need to be against anything specific. Right now, it's easy to attribute guilt to something. I'm either um, ignoring my dogs too much or I'm ignoring the baby too much or I'm ignoring the work too much or I'm ignoring the client too much. Now, there's right. so much stuff, there's always justification for the guilt. <laughs> but even when there is no stuff, there's always the guilt was always there. It's just something I'm used to living with. The rushed part is part of that. Um, yeah. You always feel like you're... Um... I used to say that um, running a business is is sort of like, like me and my wife haven't taken a vacation in since I started the company. One time we took a vacation because we hired an employee during right. the stint when I had the office, we had an employee so we had somebody to leave the dogs with. Because we had somebody to leave the dogs with, we took a cruise. The last time before that we took a cruise was at a honeymoon. So in ten or 10, 15, 2003, so yeah, yeah. Ten years of marriage, um we had two vacations, the honeymoon and that vacation from you know, four years ago. That's it. We haven't had a, a weekend or a holiday or anything off uh, for 10 years. And you start feeling like you're living a life where it's almost like a college dorm room type of life. It's like a pre- continuous right. preparation for your real life that was supposed to come at some point <laughs> later on, but never does. Like right. this is your life, but you don't feel like you're living here. You feel like you're preparing to live at some point later. But that some point never, later never. Gets there, so I think I calmed down over that feeling. Like I, I, I accepted the fact that this level of frenziness and feeling like you're preparing to live is what my life is going to be. Well, you know what? Um, You've,
0: you're in trouble too because you pretty much miss the boat on the vacations cuz we try to take a vacation every year <laughs> but like you know a vacation with children is not really a vacation like
1: well, you, you're, you, you're, you you come <laughs>
0: back worse off than you left that's like every single time you feel worse when you return than when you left that's just that's a guarantee
1: there's a a, comi- a comedian i forgot his name he's the guy that does the um, my girlfriend is so Asian. She's a panda. What's his name? <laughs> I don't know. Um, I forgot his name. Sorry, uh, but uh, Louis C.K. or something. No, then? not Louis C.K. Um, I forgot his name. Sorry, I'll, I'll put it up in the show notes. But he has a joke that his favorite his favorite ride at Disneyland is the air conditioned bus ride back to the airport. <laughs> yeah. I um, can see that. <laughs> But but at least you have date nights, right? You have Friday night date nights yeah, with Jamie, we do. right? We, not, we don't have anything not like
0: standing. that. standing. We don't have standing date nights, but we do occasionally, you know, occasionally do date nights. Yeah. yeah,
1: we don't have a family support. Our family support is even though it's a twenty minute drive away, it's long enough for them to drive that nobody is ever here.
0: But yeah, but you know, the family. I mean, with just one, the family does work. Like you should have them coming over and do it. Like when you get to like two. You know, everybody's getting older, like, they're, the kids are crazy, like, so we do actually, I mean, we our family does babysit, but also sometimes we do actually just have babysitters because, like, it takes a certain level of energy that sometimes family doesn't even have, so uh, we do augment that, but yeah.
1: No, yeah, we don't have any of that. It's just been, it's uh, the two dogs and the baby, and it's just us. So it's 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 essentially two adults and three children. Right. Um, because the dogs are not <laughs> humans, but they require attention.
0: No, a dog and, is worse uh, than a human. Yeah. I think. I mean, you have to like take it outside all the time, and like they, yeah, they know, require not... attention. Yeah.
1: So, <laughs> and we don't have the f- the family uh, support. So it's it's just us all the time. So, um, I, I don't know where I'm going with this, but basically, yeah, this <laughs> feeling of being rushed is always there, whether it's justified or not. It used to be that way even before the dogs and the baby. So I'm kind of used to it.
0: All right, so you're not so, too bad off of that. That affected me more than you, I think. That's that's yeah. good. That's a plus for you.
1: So yeah, but All I don't right. know to answer the question. Eric's ans- Eric asked whether the company startup would be different if we had kids back then. I have no idea how to answer that. Yeah. Well, you but also like had then, a, long, yeah.
0: a long time span there. Yeah, I mean, like you know, the company's like eight years old or whatever, and you just yeah. your baby's 11 months old. So yeah. that's like a whole different. You obviously weren't planning on having kids any time around then, so it's kind of a different different thing.
1: That's right. yeah. Um,
0: Okay, so in the other question, one other question, we'll cover and then we'll, we'll wrap it up. Um, is uh, we'll link this in this in the show notes. But a fellow from uh, changed dot com, he runs this bioischanged.com and basically like alerts you if somebody like changes their avatar, or changes their profile, or whatever on Twitter and I don't know, maybe other social networks. Um, yeah, but what basically, the his guy's question, name? question. Uh, uh, let me see. Uh, <laughs> we need some like music. Oh, here it is, Jack Haig.
1: Okay, Jack Haig. has. a yeah. uh, it's not a startup. It, it's clearly something he did as a uh, uh, either a labor of love or a technical exercise. Right, um, but
0: he uh, would like a business model around it. So I, <laughs> yes. I kind of think the question is like, what do you like? What's the business model with, for something with no obvious business model? Uh, yeah. Okay.
1: So he didn't phrase it that way. Uh, right. First of all, the, the, the URL. The your and, and I'm glad he didn't phrase it that way because because uh, my answer would have been different. Uh, bio bio is changed. Um, bio com. like a Twitter bio, um, or like a Facebook bio, a profile is hey, changed. Hey, at hold com. on, excuse
0: me for one second. Though. You have one of those DOS keyboards or something?
1: I have a DOS keyboard, a mechanical DOS keyboard. Oh, I had four of them. Into that. I love it. Uh, but I also use VI and I never use an IDE, and I do everything through terminal. So don't take example from me. I'm yeah, gonna... we'll do a whole – well, I'll have to do part of the show, <laughs> a part of a show on our show someday. Uh, I, I tend to be very, 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 very stupidly old school about stuff that doesn't make sense anymore to be old school about. Um, so uh, uh, so it basically lets you keep track of your friend's uh, profile changes. Right. Uh, across social networks. And so the way he phrased it is, I want a business model around this to pay for hosting, which is different,
0: right? True, you're true, you're right. Yeah,
1: because if he said, I want a business model around this, I will be, I'm be. i not covering this, because if you don't have anything nice to say. <laughs> um, but if it's just to pay for hosting, I get it. I want this right. to be up there, and I want to break even on it, right? Okay, right. Um I don't know, ads? I mean, yeah. <laughs> Uh, it's, like uh, it's kind of uh, maybe
0: like a, I assume it. Uh, yeah, it emails you um, when these updates occur. So like, I don't know if there's an ad network that I'm sure there must be that works off of email. You know, that's for like inserts links within emails or something. But yeah. that gets a little tricky. People don't really like that. It's probably gonna get you marked as spam more. Um, I wonder if even just to pay for hosting. I mean, there's some like pretty decent, fairly inexpensive hosting these days. So like. I yeah, can't if you put it up even,
1: on like Google App Engine or S? S yeah, or whatever even Amazon like there's has.
0: that. I mean, you know, everywhere. Obviously, we talk about engine hosting a lot. Those guys, there's that, um Blue Ocean, I think, which is like all SSD and it's like five bucks on all SSDs. So it's like, you know, I mean, I, I, you could maybe just do like a tip jar or something like that. I mean, uh, you know, hey, donate button. You know, help us cover hosting. I mean, you know, you probably raise five or ten bucks. You put that link in your emails and see if you can get a few bucks a month out of it or whatever. I mean, you know, the... Uh, yeah, I guess consulting, I, I,
1: co- I, consulting uh, attraction of clients. I, um, I don't, you know, this is exactly one of those. Like, if I would have done this as a product, I would have done this as a product when I was just starting out. Is because I did it because I can, right? This is, I did, it, I did this because I can type of a product, right? I did a technical thing.
0: Right. Um, well, I mean, I think there's probably some demand for it. I mean, you said people are using it. So, like... To me, well, I... Oh, understand. yeah, I mean, his his,
1: uh, his he has a ton of followers on this thing. This thing has a Twitter account mm. in its own right, and he has a ton of followers on it. So um, maybe I'm too old to use social networks in the way they're meant to be <laughs> to be <used. laughs> The problem's I, here. I, I don't care if you change your, your avatar. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> I'll, I'll catch the... I mean, I know what you look like, but... I, I don't. I don't care enough to. I certainly don't care enough to pay for it.
0: Well, I, I thought um, of two two different things that he could do. Like, because I, I took it more from the like, I don't know, does anybody just want to cover hosting. I mean, I took it more from the like, if I wanted to make a decent chunk of change. Um,
1: all right, yeah, that's so, good. Yours is better. Let's go with that. All right.
0: All right. So the two things that hit me um, were, first off, I you know it could be like a uh, market. Generator for another product you did, you know. So like, um, like we have a a simple microsite called OpenSourceHelpDeskList dot com, which like generates leads. Essentially, is a useful thing in and of itself. So it's always, it is useful, just like this is useful. Um, but it also generates leads to our paying products. So like, that was initially what I thought was this was like okay, then maybe you do something that's more sophisticated. Um, but you know. This could be a lead generator for that, um, which is you know i don't know if he has something else he's working on, whatever, but if he does or has some ideas like that this would be awesome that you have something that a lot of people use, and you know it doesn't cost a lot of money to run, and that could you know generate paying leads um, or to bl- to blow this out a little more into something that you know something that's really big right now is like social crm and that kind of thing where like there probably is financial value in something that you know, checks for certain people's changes and has, you know, some smart uh, notifications around it more than just like a generic kind of instant notification or or the dailies like it does, but like it's a little more fine tunable, you know, so that in like a sales flow kind of thing, like maybe you want to keep track of all your customers' social profiles. And when somebody updates it, you know you can look like a great guy and say hey you know i thought you know somehow work that into your flow so like to me i think you'd be able to charge for something along those lines so um i could maybe have add some more features that were like pay for but that's kind of kind of what i was thinking
1: no right and i you know, have no th- I'm, I'm so far out of this uh type of that world type of world yeah. Um, I mean, there's, there's people who are doing, obviously, there's people who are making money off the aggregate statistical data. Of yeah, that's of true, stuff, true. Right? Stuff like that. Um, and there's people who are making money, like I know Amy Hoy at some point uh, put up a tweet story, a twit story, a something story where she basically, she took the fire hydrant dump off of Twitter and looked for specific words that... Indicate hate or love, and she was able to put up some sort of a uh, basically a showcase of JavaScript skills, right? And she mm. got clients off of that, right? So that's a that's a, a um, consulting booster. So I don't right. know what what uh, what context Jack is is building this thing in, right? Um, all I know is that he didn't build it in Laravel because he went out of his way to tell me that. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I don't. There's it, so if, if he just built it as a technical exercise, even then. I guess it would depend on whether he's trying to get consulting work or if he's trying to make money out of this exact specific thing as a product. Right. Um, We're going to have to get some
0: more, for, more specificity next we, time on these questions.
1: Yeah, maybe uh, uh, at least a description of what you're trying to do with it rather than just a URL. Um, all
0: right. So, one I'm more. Sorry, thing. Jack. I'm not
1: helpful. <laughs> yeah, I think we were
0: helpful. We were helpful. We're just we're just getting our our feet wet here. We're we're figuring it out. Um, you said you wanted to follow. That was going to be the last thing, but you said you wanted to come back around the hosted versus SaaS. You had some kind of questions. Yeah, so.
1: it's a it's a big it's a big one though. Maybe it's a discussion for next time. But I wanted to know if you would have made if you would have made the choice of um, customer hosted uh, product rather than a SaaS product. If if the um, uh, fear of sassification was the only reason you went product uh, a product uh, route rather than a SAS route back in, in the beginning yeah and yeah. whether you would do a product uh, installation version now because I know Fogcroc is st- fog fog a <laughs> fog Creek is uh, steering away from that um, they still and,
0: they still sell theirs to downloadable though they always will because yeah. it's you know I mean in terms of fog bugs I don't know about you know obviously future stuff I think yeah I mean I think for me uh, I think I talked a little bit about last time, but obviously, like, the kind of fear of hosting it, which all plays into the fact of, like, especially back then, like, I didn't really have the skills to do it right, and I didn't have the money to hire somebody for the skills to do it right, in terms of, like, the whole hosting infrastructure of something that's, you know, got to host, you know, millions of rows of data and stuff. So I don't know if I, uh, I was ready for that. And there was so early back then, there wasn't all the, like, Everything that there is now in terms of all the sophistication and being able to do that, so I think that for back then, even though it financially wasn't the best move, I think probably for me it still was the best move. Um, but yeah, going forward, it's kind of interesting though. It still does color me like. So we built Snappy, which is just SAS, but you know, there, it's actually structured in such a way that it would be theoretically possible and not that difficult to offer Snappy. Um, as an on-premise product which kind of like github does where you know you only ever think of github as a website but they mm-hmm. offer an enterprise version that you can host on your own servers mm-hmm. um, so we I did kind of keep an eye on things in that regard and the way you know we built it out there's not that many external dependencies and it's pretty much all PHP and uh, so it's not a big Christmas tree all wired up so it wouldn't be that bad to, to have an on-premise version because I still think there's companies that want that or, or simply need that um, security-wise or government agencies that mm-hmm. want to have it behind... You know, <laughs> four firewalls deep and things like that so there's
1: certain industries that are legally can't do uh, law firms and medical firms can't legally do anything SaaS, right so they have to go with their own self-hosted stuff right
0: yeah anywhere where you have to have it (laughs) or or you have to be on i think there are they're trying to do like amazon's trying to do some stuff where you know things are encrypted at rest and stuff like that but i mean i think it's still not all the way there and it's like yeah i'm sure it'll be years before anybody truly trusts that on a big scale so like I, i definitely think there's there's still a market for that stuff. And I mean, it's still to this day, it's every penny we make is in, you know, on, you know, is in self-hosted or, you know, through our hosting partner, but it's still essentially downloaded um, software. So
1: the reason I asked was um, um, Uberdeck is really heavy connection wise, like constant connections, even though it's right. not credit mission critical. Like a uh, help desk piece of software. It's it's um it's one of those biggie things with concurrent connections to the point where like maybe Node.js and Nginx rather than Apache and right. Um but um, uh, I brought it up because today uh, Network Solutions had a denial of service attack which killed their uh, DNS servers which fucked my servers mm-hmm. um and it took me oh 20 minutes to figure out it's not my box right. and a reboot <laughs> um so this is the sort of thing that uh, that brings back you know gavin telling me maybe uber deck would be better as an installable thing rather than a sas thing and then i thought about maybe it'll be better today if it was an installable thing rather than a SaaS thing so that's why i bring it up whether it's completely out of the question To make it and install those.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think you could have the best of both worlds, and like the way it's constructed now, I assume it's from what little I know of it. I think that probably you could eventually offer it on, you know, as a download, you know, at some point. But I also think now this is going to be very frustrating for everybody. But but based on what it does, um, I would think that it wouldn't be that hard to. Replicate it across even maybe different services, or or obviously different regions, and and you know have some different ways to do that. So like, not that you would want to do that all at once right in the beginning. Model, make sure you know sells and works and everything. But I would think that you're going to be able to structure it in such a way that uh, you will be able to overcome most events, unless it's something like really. I mean, I guess DNS is the kind of thing that's a little bit. You know that's a bad one. That's a little bit trickier to round around <laughs> than most other things. But uh, you know, I think that for most kind of normal situations outside of a network solutions, you know, losing their DNS server, um, you'll be able to work around that. So
1: all right, that's cool. Just cents. need some, just need some reassurance, uh, reassurance, whatever. Yeah, I mean reassurance.
0: Like, Yeah, I think you got to go SaaS first these days. I, I don't know. I think unless you have a very particular business case, why it's only dealing with very particular industries that require you know that level of mm-hmm. direct access. I mean, I think most people would want to start with SaaS first and and work backwards from there if it makes sense.
1: Yeah. All right.
0: All right. Well, we're I mean, on ninety
1: minutes now. You want to? I know. You up know, up we, you said you didn't have a lot of energy,
0: and you know, we were gonna kind of take it easy and this is our longest one yet so I don't know yeah
1: well I told you the adrenaline goes up and then it That's takes a Dave Weiner podcast to come back down <laughs>
0: well you go enjoy <laughs> go enjoy that
1: um, we're gonna cover more stuff next week uh, guys if you have any questions or you want us to cover cover we'll talk about whatever uh, any topics um, uh, you could ping us on twitter uh, you can get our Twitter handles up on uh, bootstrapped.fm. And all the episodes are up on there, and the iTunes link is also up in there for those of you who use iTunes for your podcast kind of stuff. All right. All right. We're all Have set. All right. Bye bye.